is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. We can roll the image, make it flutter. We can change the focus to a soft blur or sharpen it to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit quietly and we will control all that you see and hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your television set. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed our look back on season three of The Twilight Zone. Uh, you know, the the good, the bad, and the eh that we talked about. Um, but yeah, yeah, a lot of eh? A lot of uh, uh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that Outer Limits intro. I just want to change it for our podcast and be like, Skype controls the audio. Yeah. Skype controls the volume. <laughs> we could take the sound and make it distorted and sound like shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, this we're in um, speaking of like the, the middle ground between light and shadow or the outer limits. We're in our in between right now between seasons. And so uh, the plan is we're going to do this episode. And then I, we have to figure out what we're doing next week in terms of like uh, another show regularly, but uh, you know, we got two more episodes of the Twilight Zone to do, and then I think after doing what forty-eight episodes of TV series in like a, like you know over this time, I think we deserve a break, a little bit of a break. You know, yeah, so, yeah, and we're uh, we're gonna be out of town and everything, so yeah, it'll uh it'll be a well-deserved vacation. <laughs> yeah, only two weeks off, so um, if you're missing us, you can head over to the uh, Patreon. You can yes. listen to all the new. Uh, Jordan Peele Twilight Zone episodes. Did we talk about how uh, there was a bit of news that they're actually going to actually put up all those episodes as of, I want to say, later today in black and white? Yeah, well? I, I think yeah. we spoke okay. about it last week. Okay. I can't remember if it was on the regular show or if we spoke about it on the Patreon okay. show. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I don't know uh, if it's enough to get me to go back and rewatch them again this close from uh, watching them the first time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's an interesting idea. Might get some more more eyes on the show. Yeah. Cause if people are like, it needs to be black and white, it's like, well, they got you covered. So, uh, and I will say now just to tease it, I did watch, uh, the 10th episode this morning called blurry man. 
Uh, and I'm not going to say anything else other than um, it is it is a it's a wild episode. And uh, it's a, it's a really interesting one then the season on. So, but yeah, yeah, a great cast. It looks like yeah, finally figured out where Seth Rogen comes into this. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Zazzy Beats is awesome. Yes. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about that one next week. Uh, we are going to be talking about Blue Scorpion on our Patreon tonight. Uh, that's Chris O'Dowd episode with uh, with a badass gun. Uh, I can't wait to get into that. So um, that is that is not this. What we're doing now is I decided I pitched to Kevin. I was like, well. You know, how about we check out The Outer Limits because the first episode of The Outer Limits had Cliff Robertson and we liked him a lot in The Dummy and at 100, 100 Yards Over the Rim and Spider-Man and whatever else he was in. Um, so you're like, sure, let's do it. And we were really excited for this. And we're like not to front sell, it's a different experience than The Twilight Zone. I'll say that. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was expecting like a direct rip off of Twilight Zone. And there, there are definitely similarities um but it it does feel really different and from what they were going for it looked like in season one of kind of doing the monster of the week thing Mm -hmm. um and gearing it more towards sci-fi and less into like supernatural and the uh, the whimsical fantasy elements that uh sterling puts into it uh it it does feel completely different as you're watching it. Oh, it's funny. Cause I'd argue that the, this episode that we we're about to talk about came after the original run of the twilight zone, but it feels more dated. <laughs> it's just weird. How yeah. Well, like, it does, it does feel dated. I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not saying it it's feel, ahead of its time. No, it or feels anything. older than the twilight zone, even though it came out but, like a year after the series was ended. Yeah. I just, I assumed it was going to be a straight offshoot of twilight zone. Yeah. And it is not, it's like Adam age horror, like, <laughs> I, I like Roger Corman monster movie levels. Yeah. Like so, I, I was not expecting that. And, um, and I guess, I guess there is, so we'll, we'll get into this. So the outer limits actually ran for two seasons on ABC uh, from September 16th, 1963 to January 16th, 1965, a total, yeah, which, of, yeah. which September 16th, uh, it, it aired the day after the first episode of season three of the twilight zone. Okay. Two. Okay. Yeah. So it was directly uh, within the time frame of the season we had just finished covering. Okay. Here. That's that's um, okay. That makes sense. So, um, yeah. So Larry ran for forty nine episodes, uh, in created created by Leslie Stevens, who was the person who wrote and directed this episode. And I just want to mention, in, in looking through all this, John Brom uh, actually directed some episodes. I don't know if he directed more than one, but that's kind of cool. Like we like some of his directing in the Twilight Zone. Um, there was only one comedic episode of the series. So kudos for that. Uh, and it was actually kind of a backdoor pilot kind of thing. Surprise, surprise. It's weird how that happens. Um, so the series earned a very low audience in the first season. It was so devoted that some people were poor to take a TV set with them if they had to be away from their home, just so they wouldn't miss an episode. Like, (laughs) could you imagine (laughs) like you're at the bowling alley? Like guys, 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 rolling a TV in (laughs) (laughs) like on a cart, you know, (laughs) or they're out fishing and it's like really long extension cord, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) and then what you mentioned about the monster of the week, that was something that happened a lot in the first season. And then it got away a little bit in the second season, but internally they referred it referred to the monster of the week as the bear, which I thought was kind of fun where it's like, well, what's the bear this week? <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know where they give up with that. I guess monster of the week is more of a modern term. Uh, I wouldn't expect but, them to call it that. Why would but... you call it the bear? Like, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. That, that's kind of fun though. I'm yeah. going to start calling shows like, like supernatural season one. Be like, what's the bear on what's, this? Where's episode? the bear? 
I like um, it. But yeah. yeah, from what I understand, the show was originally supposed to be called Please Stand By um, when he developed this pilot. Um, and then eventually they ended up changing it over into the Outer Limits and he made a few tweaks on this episode, the galaxy being that we're going to cover, and it turned into the pilot that we see here. Yeah. So just also mention that many of the bears that are in this, this series ended up being uh, monsters or alien beings in Star Trek because Roddenberry actually, uh, a lot of what was shooting with Star Trek was in the same area as this, and he was a big influence on the show at times. So I, I think it's funny that they're like, oh, that's a weird looking thing. Now it's in space, you know, like whatever. So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, another interesting person who probably won't bring up on cast and crew here. Um, one of the producers, Joseph Stefano, worked on the first season. He was basically like the Buck Houghton mm-hmm. of season one of this. Uh, he was actually the screenwriter of Hitchcock Psycho. Okay. So, I mean, you, you got some big names behind the scenes on this. Um, but yeah, I, I was outside of the name and outside of like I've seen the intro before. And I've, I've heard that audio before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think I had ever seen any episode of the show. Well, and also there um, in the episode, uh, people are like all over one of the Martians that was in like one of the he had a speaking part briefly. That is the same guy that did the voiceover for this. So I, we talked about it then. So I thought that was a nice uh, callback. Yeah. Uh, but you're uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think I've, I've seen I've seen an episode or two of the Showtime revival that was on like the later one. And that was even what was a syndication on late night TV. Uh, and it wasn't that great, but I, you know, it was late night sci-fi, like, you know, what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, I, like other than also the Simpsons did a good gag with this too. And one of the trios of terror, surprise, surprise. Uh, I have not really watched any honor limits. I feel like it is kind of a blind spot. Um, after this episode, like I am sure there are like, there, there's, there is a few episodes in here that people do hold up really high. And there's actually this weird thing too. It's a Mandela effect where, some of these episodes people fondly remember as episodes of the twilight zone and they get them mixed up, which I could also kind of see that because they're on the same time, black and white. And you know, uh, like what was it? Uh, Kevin Smith, whenever he was trying to get his Superman film made, one of the projects that was brought to him was to do a, a, um, a full movie adaptation of the episode architects of fear. That was from this original series, which I don't know how that would have worked, but whatever. So you yeah. can tell. And also we talked about this, I think a few, few weeks ago that, there's going to be a, um, another uh, revival of the outer limits on some, some other channel because clearly everybody needs an anthology horror so- show right now, which I'm okay with, you know? So it's important to something I was never really that much into. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like this is, uh, you know, Sterling dealt with a lot of, uh, a lot of topical issues and everything. And it seems like the outer limits was way more concerned with science and science fiction and uh, it, it's it's kind of like a nice uh, alternative to the Twilight Zone. So I'd be interested to see whereas like this new season of the Twilight Zone has been highly political. Mm-hmm. If the reboot of the Outer Limits now would kind of lean away from that and just be straight sci-fi. Maybe I, I just feel like it, it would be it would be a um, a difficult thing right now to do an anthology show, especially with like the tennis of sci-fi and horror where if you're not commenting on something, cause I feel like this is it just the, 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 the day and age that we're in right now. I don't know how, how much attention you get if it's just like, Oh, well that was just a nice monster in the woods episode that said nothing whatsoever about the women's movement or whatever they would do. You know, like it would be, yeah. it would be, 
I don't know. I, I, it would be refreshing in the sense, but then I don't know how much attention people would pay to it. Like there, there is that Hulu series that I don't know if it got renewed again. It was called uh, Dimension Four Hundred Four that I watched uh, the first episode of, and it's kind of like a sci-fi Twilight Zoney thing. And it had like the first episode was like it was okay, but it wasn't great. So it was like one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to watch the rest of these. <laughs> like, and, yeah. and I feel bad. Um, but it was just like, it wasn't trying to say anything. It was just trying to tell, you know, its own story, which I can't judge it for, but it didn't give me enough to sink my teeth into that. I wanted to watch another one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd be curious. There's also like that creep show, uh, TV, com- a TV show coming out on shutter. I think it yeah. is possibly, um, I'd be curious too on that. If that's going to go the same way as like, I'm saying the outer limits would, uh, whether or not it's just going to be straightforward horror. Mm-hmm. TV or if they're going to try and mix any sort of uh, social commentary into it. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows if the Outer Limits uh, reboot will ever happen either. <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. though I said that about the Twilight Zone and here we are uh, about to cover the second to last episode of the first season. So like you'd get, uh, you would get Michael Keegan Key being the one behind uh, the Outer, <laughs> outer Limits. limits. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I would love that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be into that. Um, all right. So uh, just because I figured it'd just be appropriate because of how, how um, the when this episode came out, uh, I'll just do the day and date that we do for the Twilight Zone. Uh, so air date, uh, September 16th, 1963, number one film, X, The Man with X-Ray Eyes. I still need to see that film. It sounds awesome. And I know uh, El Goro covered on his uh, most recent 31 Days of Halloween. Um, number one song, My Boyfriend's Back by the Angels. Do you want to know what the number one song is the week after this? I would love to. Blue Velvet by Bobby Vinton. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So there you go. That's great. Um, just figured that'd be worthy of mentioning. And also, another shout out to, to Mr. Goro and his talk without rhythm. He's covering Blue Velvet on his, uh, his, his episode this week coming. So there you go. Check that out. He'll probably say much more interesting things than I did when I talked about it on this show. Um, all right. And then some uh, interesting information about uh, the day that this episode aired. Uh, Malaysia was formed through the merger of 11 states of the Federation of Malaya and the British colonies of Singapore, North Borneo, and Sarawak. You're like, that's not that interesting. You're right. I needed something to front sell the other interesting thing that I found on Wikipedia about this day and date, which is... The science fiction anthology television show, The Outer Limits, premiered on ABC Television Network at 7.30 p.m. <laughs> in the United States, beginning with the episode The Galaxy Being. So I like that the trivia on Wikipedia is that this episode came out. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, they deal with uh, Malaysia quite a bit in this episode. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad uh, you brought that up. It was actually Cliff Robertson that actually worked out the paperwork to get all the colonies together to make Malaysia. He was like, <laughs> he's like binary patterns in two countries. His, his wife was Con- really mad about it. And that's why he got the award. You don't know this, yeah. but that's why he got the award is because he helped form Malaysia. We did not know that. That's a. Uh, <laughs> Well, something that was omitted from the script. So, all right. Uh, yeah, let's just get in the casting crew and then get into this uh, this thrill ride, this adventure that they said at the beginning of the episode. Yes, the adventure that we are going on. Yes. Um, so this episode, as you mentioned, was written and directed by Leslie Stevens, the creator of The Outer Limits. Um, outside of that work, he did work on Playhouse 90. Hmm. So some parallels with Rod Serling there. Um Directed four episodes in total of The Outer Limits. And then he also did a movie I've heard of in passing. I've never seen it. But this might be something that we should throw on our short list of stuff to do. Uh, he did a horror movie called Incubus, 
with William Shatner. I can't, I thought you'd seen this. That's why I didn't write many notes about it because it's the one that Shatner does in Esperanto. Like it's supposed to be this kind of just bizarre film. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I've I've never seen it. Wow. All right. So. Let's do I it. feel like that's something. Maybe we'll do that next week. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I don't know. Um, and then also I want to mention that before Leslie Stevens passed away, he actually wrote a couple of the episodes for the 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 revival in the 90s or the, the two, early 2000s or whatever it was. So he wrote a couple of those too. So that's cool. Uh, he has, he has a, a couple quotes here. Um, there's nothing wrong with being a hack writer. I would point with pride to the inspired hacking of Shakespeare, Michelangelo. You can go through a big list. <laughs> So I like that, you know, he's like, he might be a hack, but he's, he's taking it from other people. And then he also wrote as a playwright, I achieved the rank of night clerk at a hotel at 22 night ward attendant at a New York psychiatric hospital at 25 and the exalted status of copy boy for time magazine at 28. These jobs paid my room rent while I was writing plays. So he knows where he comes from. Like, I thought that was kind of funny that he just was like, yeah, he called me a hack. Great. I, I, I copied everybody else. Also, I worked all these jobs so I could be a playwright. So I respect that. Yeah, that's a that's a down to earth man, right yeah. there. Like it. All right, so cast here we have again, as you mentioned, Cliff Robertson who plays Alan Maxwell. <clears throat> Excuse me, which we previously talked about all the way back in a hundred yards over the rim, and more recently in season three, the dummy. Mm-hmm. And uh, loved his performance of both of those, especially the dummy, which ended up on both of our top fives, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. for the season. Um, then we have Jacqueline Scott, who plays Carol Maxwell, his wife in the episode, who is in the original Planet of the Apes, uh, one other episode of The Outer Limits, and a Twilight Zone episode called The Parallel that we've yet to get to. Yeah, so that's in season four. We'll get there soon. Uh, she made her uh, motion picture debut in William Castle's Macabre. Just want to mention that. And then also she was in an episode of Johnny Midnight. So I found. Oh, I missed yeah, that one. I put all the caps <laughs> in my notes. Johnny goddamn midnight. So I had to put that in there. Um, yeah. So. A yeah, lot of and then we have. Uh, yeah. The interesting. Uh, <laughs> interesting roles there. Uh, we have Lee Phillips who plays Gene Buddy Maxwell. Uh, he directed, he actually did quite a bit of directing, but the most he really worked on was 60 episodes of the Andy Griffith show. Uh, but he did perform in two episodes of the twilight zone. And this was his only outer limits appearance. Yeah. I put down a lot of TV directing and then the two episodes that once in season four and once in season five. So we'll get back to, uh, Mr. Buddy Maxwell when we get there. Yep. And then we have Burt Mac Metcalf. Yeah. Burt Metcalf, who plays Eddie Phillips, who we previously talked about back in the Monsters to do a Maple Street, plays the character of Don Martin. Um, I remember talking about him because he was the producer of MASH. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remembered having that conversation all the way back in that episode. So I figured we we did. So if you want to hear about Burt Metcalf some more, head back to our Monsters to do a Maple Street Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, he was the one not drinking night milk. Yes. Uh, we have Allison Ames, who plays Lorene, who was in one other Outer Limits episode, uh, but was also in one episode of Hawaiian Eye. Yes, I saw there that. We, we almost have like all we need is a racehorse or someone falling out a window. And then yeah. well, we have we kind of have a window break in this. Maybe. Yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of windows and doors being broken in this episode. <laughs> uh, but she was also in that Incubus movie mm-hmm. directed by Leslie Stevens uh, that I mentioned earlier. And a personal favorite movie of mine, Simon King of the Witches, which is about a warlock, this like hippie warlock that lives in 
the sewers. You've talked about this before. Okay, yeah. 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 I'm a big um, fan of this movie. Uh, really weird. Really, really weird film. Uh, but she plays a very minor role. Probably I wouldn't be able to pick her out. So I've watched a movie uh, four times. Trivia on IMDb, it says like trivia, third wife of Leslie Stevens. So there you go. Oh, well, there, there's, yeah. there's your answer. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I had here was William Douglas as the galaxy being, just because I figured it'd be worthy of mentioning, uh, just because, you know, that whatever it is is on screen for a lot of the episode. Uh, he's, yeah, I, I get a, I'm sorry. sorry. No, I just, he, this, uh, not many credits, three out of four, um, outer limits episodes as the monster, sorry, the bear, the bear. <laughs> I got a few more. I got okay. Joseph V Perry, who plays police chief, who was a police officer actually in nightmare as a child. And was also uh, in The Gift, which I think he was like military police in that one. Um, And he's going to be in one other future episode. Um, He was in one episode of The Night Gallery and one other episode of Outer Limits. And then uh, another personal favorite of mine, which I get excited, Repossessed. Oh, the Leslie Nielsen, um, Linda Blair comedy? Yeah. 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 Um, So I want to bring that one up. And Hot Shots Part Two. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be in repossessed, you might as well be in hot shots part two, right? Like you just yeah, might as yeah. well. <laughs> um, and then last one, Mavis Neil Palmer, who plays uh, a character by, uh, named woman, uh, was in a stop at Willoughby. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that you did, uh, more research than I did. So, yeah. So that's, yeah. uh, that's your cast. Um, try and dig up those twilight zone references here. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, normally we'd have like some narration here, and we don't really have that. So, what do I do here? Maybe, maybe we'll bring this one in here. This is our narration. Oh. All right, that's the that's the, <laughs> that's how we get off on this episode is uh, uh, from from the time element having a weird sleep noise. So, yeah, um, this so uh, going through this thing point by point, plot wise, I think this would be a five minute conversation, which you know I'm okay with that if we do that, but. Um, I will say that I thought it was interesting at the beginning where you see the radio tower and then like you see some of the distorted radio waves and it, it kind of like it ends up doing this like weird like zoom in on like the monitor behind Cliff Robertson's character. I don't know how to describe this like the way they did it, it was an odd thing. But then to find out that that's pretty much what they used for the title sequence and the outer limits going forward. I thought that was kind of a fun start to the episode. Yeah, perfect way to introduce the series as well. Like it was, it was- Really cool. And I, I love the set with Cliff Robertson in this, uh, basically this control room, um, like with all the machinery around him and everything and all the computers around him. Like I, I really enjoyed the set of this. It felt very classic sci-fi felt like I mentioned the Adam age, mm-hmm. uh, sci-fi and horror. Like it, it just felt in line with that, which was, uh, better suited for probably about a decade earlier than this, but that's okay. Yeah, I wrote it. It looks like a Radio Shack threw up in his shed. Like, there's just all these, like, you know, <laughs> just transistors and knobs. And I liked, like, the, the, the data machines or, like, the reel-to-reel stuff. It was like, I don't know what it was doing there. In terms of his research, I don't know what it was doing, but I get why I would be there at a radio station. Like, uh, but yeah, like, so it just, it starts off with, uh, um, what was it that you have, um, buddy, not buddy, the gene, what's his name? The, the main, uh, yeah. the main uh, DJ, like yeah, he's, Gene. he's, he's, you know, playing a record. And then did you notice, I don't know about, about you, but it bugged me how far away he was sitting from the microphone reading his copy. That really bugged me. He was like a good foot and a half away from the microphone. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they, uh, cause he brings in, 
uh, Eddie later on the episode to replace him. Yeah. And uh, the fact that they only have one microphone yeah. in their radio uh, studio <laughs> was driving me insane as well. And that whole bit later on where it's like, I'm going to hand the reins off to, to Buddy. And he was like, or whatever, to um, Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. And he's like, thank you, buddy. And I'll just, re- I'm going to be controlling. Like, it was like this whole, like, it sounded like two uh, airline pilots where it's like, okay, I'm handing the stick off to you now. Everybody just be rest assured that this plane will be coming in for a safe landing. I've been your captain. Like that's what it, <laughs> but they're like leaning in and out yeah. of the one mic in the studio. <laughs> it just like, felt like there was such like a formal, on. a formal situation where almost like you felt like one of them was like handing the sword to the other, you know, like, you know, <laughs> I now give you like, this is your charge is to protect all of radio land and let them know about traffic and weather on the eights or whatever you know like uh yeah sorry we're getting ahead but, it but was, you're right it was but I, I know it's 60 years later and like i shouldn't compare my setup uh in in my studio to this but i have like six microphones <laughs> <laughs> and i know it's it's 2000 it's almost 2020 here like it's it, it's a long time from when this episode was shot but i feel like if you run a uh, successful radio station as they do in this episode, you would have more than one mic, right? I think you'd actually have more than one studio too. Like I, that's yeah. also just a thought. Uh, yeah. but, but I also like that big, uh, the big uh, towering like power knob thing in the back. It's like, it felt like that one machine just had the power voltage on it. You know, like, like yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it again. It's the sixties and everything is bigger just because like, you know, technology, but you're right. Like the radio station bugged me. <laughs> like a big, a great, and then there's also that, that switch that would flip between like the station and like the little hallway between, and they would flick it on and talk to the people outside. I'm like, nah, the door's open. I'm pretty sure they could hear you talk to them. I don't know. Like it felt <laughs> weird. Um, but anyway, that, that is not important to the plot, but that'll also tell you about, so this is a 55 minute episode. And so these are hour long episodes. And whenever you, whenever I pitch this to you last week, you're like, oh, it's an hour long. I'm like, okay, we're talking like what? 48 minutes. They're like, no, it's 55 because they didn't figure out commercials back then. Uh, yeah. yeah. How do how do you fill out 55 minutes with the story? And we, we know now it is a lot of the same conversation over and over again. Yeah, it was it was way too long. And uh, before we started recording, I told Paul that this is probably the most I've checked the runtime <laughs> out of there anything we've covered on the show. Like, I I don't want to say I hated this episode because it is fun in, at times and it, it is charming at times. And I I like what they did with the alien and everything. But. There were long stretches in this episode where I would hit that down button on my remote and be like, yep, uh, 30 minutes left. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lot of unnecessary filling in this episode. And uh, I, I don't know if that's something that happens a lot in the series or if this is just, you know, them working the kinks out in the first episode. It, but It makes me super anxious about season four of The Twilight Zone. Honestly, now I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how much we want to get into the nitty gritty on this, but we got, we got Alan, uh, you know, he's up in the, the shed, he's cutting power to the main transmitter, which is causing them to lose footprint. And, uh, so the whole thing is like, um, uh, yeah, he's, he's picking up a, some sort of wave, electromagnetic wave from yeah. space and he's running it through this like 3d scanner. So you're able to see vertical, horizontal and depth 
of the wave. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of looks like a TV screen mixed with a fish tank <laughs> um, that this this wave is in. And he's stealing power so he can continue to receive it and everything. And as he's dialing in on it, um, you know, it, the station's losing power. Uh, Gene's getting mad in the studio because they're they're only broadcasting like 30 miles or something Mm -hmm. and they're going to lose sponsors because nobody's, they're not getting out to enough people and everything. Um, But I like the Carol like mentions very like almost offhandedly. She's like, Oh yeah. And he's been stealing stuff too. Alan's just been stealing. It's just like, (laughs) you're just talking about like how you guys are kind of like, like, you know, they need to get their act together because they're kind of not not in financial dire straits yet, but they're about to be. And she's like, oh, he keeps taking things. I'm like, that's not how you say that. You know, like, I feel like there should be more urgency there, which, you know, credit to her that she does show that urgency later. And, yeah. and she gets kind of sidelined at times. But I, I sympathize with her most in the entire episode. Yeah. And I, I, I like the reveal that they're actually married mm-hmm. because when she first comes in, you just assume she's uh, for the time is going to be like some sort of secretary or something or like assistant in this for the radio station. And, you know, Jean's telling her to go talk to him over in the control room. And she's like, well, he's not going to come out, but, um, credit to this episode. Like I didn't expect them to be married. Like there's a whole nother emotional level to this episode. When you find out that like, he's basically shrugging off all of his responsibilities and all of his social and love life. He's just locked himself in there doing research on this, uh, electromagnetic wave that he's picking up from space. But yeah, it, it was a nice introduction to her character in this episode. Yeah. So then, uh, you, you learn that she is going to talk to him because there, you know, there's something going on that evening. And so she goes, talk to him about that and how he is like, he's obsessed and she's like talking to him and he's still kind of like half paying attention, which is that you always have that distracted scientist thing going on with him. And you get that vibe, but he plays yeah. well. Um, it's it's kind of goofy too. Like she'll be talking and he's just like putting on random headphones. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's been the same wave for days, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it, there's I mean, not anything changing actively at like, that moment. I listen but. to a lot of synth music and I even have my fill after a while, you know, like the beat changes eventually. Uh, so, but I like that he's talking about, how he's hearing things and, and, uh, and I think she's like, says like voices. And I wrote my notes like from a wooden dummy. Like, I like the idea that like, you know, that the dummies now reached across series and is now tormenting him through like a signal that he could only hear. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just, but basically she uh, says something about like, well, what are you going to do? Like, basically, you know, you're in a radio station listening to this, like what's going to happen? And he makes a comment about how nobody's the ones that make breakthroughs. Like these big, these big leaps and everything don't happen in labs. They happen with people that are like, you know, that are yeah, just normal people yeah. that stumble across things like this. So um, she's, she's unhappy about it. And um you find out that he's got this like testimonial dinner tonight and the whole town is going to come out and honor him and that he has to be there. And he's still, he finally says like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go just to kind of like shrug her off and get her out of there. Yeah. But I also like when he's like, listen to this and she's like, it makes my teeth great or whatever she says. Like she's, <laughs> yeah. she's bothered by it. And then, uh, basically, you know, she gets a commitment out of him to go like to be ready. And then, you know, he sends her off and then he starts like focusing in on this, uh, wavelength. And that's when we get, the image of this creature, which the first time you see this thing, it's actually really cool looking. Like, yeah, I, it's, yeah. it, it's kind of scary. Yeah. The first time you see it, unfortunately it has the sin of, uh, 
some of the worst monster movies where they spend too much time with it on screen mm-hmm. and it kind of loses its effectiveness every time you see it. Um, but yeah, the first time it comes through, like, and especially as it's being dialed in and taking shape, you can't really quite tell what it is. Um, it's, it's a nice moment. And I, I thought the alien, have you ever seen Peter Jackson's bad taste? No, I have not. All right. It, it kind of reminded me of the aliens from that, obviously, uh, with the, uh, effects over it and everything, it, but, um, just the shape of the head and everything. Yeah, just the way, like, I read it, there was a process they used to make it look like it was almost like a photo negative type of thing. And it was, it was a cool looking yeah, image. It was, and then, yeah. It was almost like a negative mixed with static. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was, it was pretty cool looking. Like, when it's, uh, when again, it, unfortunately, you see too much of it. Uh, when, when, when the galaxy being is in the fish tank TV, it's creepy. When the galaxy being's wandering around a knickknack shop and picking up things, not so creepy there. But, you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, he's just looking for souvenirs on Earth. He's like, huh, should I t- take this horse or not? Uh, so, yeah, so yeah. there is a long stretch at oh, this point of yeah. Cliff Robertson trying to communicate with this alien. <laughs> and it is infuriating and it makes no sense. No, no, it makes it makes about as much sense as. Uh, what what is his name was was it Jerry or Gary that was in the little people yelling at the little the little tiny people and saying that he used math to figure out a way to talk to them like it's almost the same level of like yeah the, yeah I'll I'll accept that because it's kind of just like a piece of throwaway dialogue like whatever he figured yeah. out how to talk to him whereas this one tries to legitimately explain how he's communicating with them and it makes no sense so i mean there's like a good stretch of five minutes of them trying to work out communication and it's just garbage it's like someone read a michael Crichton novel once and was like i can do that without no research whatsoever yeah i i got the gist this is fine yeah. uh, so but i like the, like the common ground of him trying like like this this is a being that it, you you the the universal understanding of what possible communication can be cannot be like parsed out within just minutes of this thing showing up with him using like um like uh not even a microphone it's almost like uh it looks like something from like a like a, a plane like tower whatever i call it like it looks like something like it's a microphone but it's one that you press like the button to like a dispatch mic you know and he's yeah. like talking yeah. into it and he was just like um, binary signals, you know, give me something, something, something. And then eventually he figures out a way, like I could use my computer to decipher what you're saying. I'm like, no, you can't. That's not a thing. Like not now. And he plugs in like a speaker and he could talk to the creature. And then I like how he's trying to figure out where the creature's from by using a star map that we as humans developed with constellations that we recognize. Yeah. And from the- our vantage point, <laughs> like the universe is a 2d, uh, plane yeah. He's like, that he would be able to recognize yeah. from our vantage point. I, mean, I know we're overthinking which, a little bit. No, I know, <laughs> but it's still it's it's one of those things. Like as you're watching it, they spend so much time talking about it and dealing with it. You have way too much time to start criticizing it. Uh, but yeah, that that's annoying. The whole idea that he would even even if he was translating English words developed by human beings on earth uh, in a completely different uh, solar system, like translating them into binary codes. How would he even differentiate what they were into whatever language that they use? Yeah. 
Like it just it, it's it's dumb. <laughs> it is. It's but really I, dumb, and they spend way too much time on it. But I like it was and, pointing at the like the, the the galaxy map and how the creatures like east north i'm like how do you like that's our cardinal directions what what do you yeah like, like it <laughs> it understands things like direction yeah. and 90 percent of the words but it doesn't understand what a mouth or a nose is <laughs> or what god is or any of these things like when he asks them but oh he understands pegasus like said cardinal yeah. directions yeah. and what we call different star clusters yeah like he knows all that and that's fine like he probably has like also like a working knowledge of like gardening tips and things too. Like we just didn't get to that part of the conversation, but like, yeah, I know how to tend a garden, but what's that thing on that's below your eyes? Well, that's a nose. What, what yeah, is those nose? holes in your face? Yeah. You know, like, well, how do you know what a face is? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> and then, so then you get, uh, you know, uh, doctor scientist here asking, I mean, like, you know, talking about like life and like eating and, and words and all this stuff. And, and the being is like, you're a carbon cycle. We are a nitrogen cycle. I'm like, okay, great. We get that. And then about, you get, basically you get the notion that this being is also transmitting because it is curious about what's out there, but they've been told that they shouldn't communicate with people on earth because they're dangerous and there's, da- they're dangerous to other, to other galaxies. And yeah. That's I think that's your like except for the, the the bit at the end the wrap up dialogue I think that's supposed to be your big like mic drop humans are bad you know but yeah. yeah well there's that and there's the the whole thing about death where like they never die because they just kind of turn into waveform waveforms and their energies yeah. last for infinity so there's the whole death and God conversation they, they end up in a room full that of comes old back at souls. the end as well yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah. We know uh, they play marbles with all the grandmother <laughs> all the souls, grandmother. and they're like, "Oh, we just turn into energy." And like, "Yeah, look at my grandkids." Uh, uh, <laughs> but then, but he says something about everything's infinity. Infinity is God. I thought that was kind of like a profound thing, but then they skip right past it. Uh, and then, yeah, like some yeah. of that stuff was cool when yeah. they got to the heavier topics and everything. Yeah. But there's like a good five ten minutes. Oh, it just goes of on. Cliff Robertson just like speaking really slowly into a mic. <laughs> I wish, I wish I could go back and dub it into where, when the galaxy beings respond to him, it's the goofy goggles voice from the dummy. <laughs> like That's a joke <laughs> that, uh, only our listeners would understand or very hardcore fans of twilight zone. <laughs> That's awesome. What is below eyes? You know, like, my, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, we cut to um, uh, uh, this is yeah, the, yeah. This is when Eddie is introduced, the replacement for Gene, because they're all going to go to this this dinner yeah. in honor of Alan. But I like how Eddie pulls up his convertible and is like talking to Carol. She's walking up the hill towards the shed. And he's like, "Oh, hey, what's going on? I got these records to clear." She's like, "Oh, go go talk to Gene about." It. He's like, "Okay," and he just reverses his car down the hill. I'm like, "Oh, maybe you could have parked and said hi." That's also an option. But yeah, just- <laughs> or or you could introduce the character because I was like, who is this guy? Yeah, I actually I rewound it to see if I missed his name. Yeah. I was like, is he going to be important? <laughs> like, I assume. But then you find out that since Gene and Carol are going to be going to this dinner, they needed a replacement DJ. So they brought in Eddie from out of town. He's going to he's going to cover for him. <laughs> and uh, that's <laughs> that's when she finally confronts Alan. And uh, Alan says, like, you know, I can't go. I just made a breakthrough. And uh, um, she she gives him the ultimatum, like, 
you're either going to go or I'm going to bring the entire town <laughs> to your laboratory. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was a good bluff of just like, well, okay, fine. So we, we could fit 50 people in there and not break too much stuff. And he's like, okay, fine, fine. I'll go. And then as he's going back in, there's the galaxy being in the fish tank. You know, it's just, it's just his head and shoulders. And he was like, okay, well, I'm going to be gone for an hour. And he's like, well, in the transmission, he's like, no, 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 just stay here. Like, <laughs> he, he understands what an hour is yeah. too. Like, that's fine. But, but like the whole thing is just like, no, 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 you stay here. I'm going to go to a party and eat food and get rewarded. You just stare at all this shit in the shed for an hour and contemplate what noses are. I'll be back. Like, it's yeah. So there's an important little bit in here though, um, where he's like, do not change the frequency or the power. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be dangerous. So he goes in and talks to Eddie, um, who's the big time daddy as they refer to him. Uh, <laughs> well, no, that was the song uh, he was playing by the deuces. Oh, that's, the that's right. That's right. The yeah. Big time daddy. Ugh. But he was yeah. like, he's like, I, he's like, I knew um, there was a reason I wrote big time daddy. In my <laughs> he was like, I'm Eddie Phillips. Like, you know, the velvet voice of like Sarasota flats or whatever. He says something stupid like that. You're like, that's your calling card. Cool. You know, whatever. Um, yeah. but yeah, he, but so, uh, Alan's like, so he comes in and talks to him for a second. He's like, okay, you see this power thing over? He's like, if, if it moves a little bit left or right, you know, like put it back where it is. And, and, um, and then, uh, Eddie was like, yeah, this place isn't putting out much power. Like, what would that do? And he's like, well, you know, like what would it do full on is what he said. Um, yeah. And he yeah. says, cause they're in like Southern California. Yeah. He's like, you know, if you turn it all the way up, like we probably broadcast all the way to Canada. So you can kind of see the glimmer in Eddie's eyes, like, ooh, nice. Yeah. Um, what he actually asked was, how far can you carry with a full load? I'm like, I know what they meant, but that sounds weird now. Uh, so, yeah. Big time uh, daddy yeah. needs to know. Big big time daddy <laughs> needs to know how far he can carry with a full load. Uh, so so then, yeah, Alan, as he's like, you know, like he. So gross. Yeah. Did you notice a couple of the outside shots were like shaky, uh, like outdoor stuff that reminded me a lot of Night of the Living Dead? Like very, yeah, well, yeah. there was the scene when he walks from the control room or his laboratory, whatever you want to call it, research room. Um, when he's walking to the studio, yeah. he's like putting his suit on and putting tying his tie up, and it's shot from below and it's stationary, but it like follows him as he walks past below, and it was kind of the way they shoot like uh, um, the uh, it was oh my god, what's his name, uh, Bill. The, the first zombie you see in Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Kinsman? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I, might, I may have screwed that up. I've, I've met the guy like twice. Um, passed away. But um, yeah, they, sh- they shoot him like they shot that zombie in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot there that I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. But it was like a little, a little different because you wouldn't see that type of camera work on the Twilight Zone, like no matter what. Um, so then... Anyway, so you got uh, you got Alan. He ends up going to um, this uh, party, and uh, as he's there getting rewarded, this is Bill Hinsman, by the oh, way. There you go. Uh, and so then I had, I had the DVD of Flesh Eater right next to me. So, <laughs> um, so, uh, so then what happens is after that that happens, um, like Eddie decides he's going to go and turn up uh, the the you know the power because I think he's talking to a girl on the phone. And he sees this is his opportunity to let the world know that he's playing like almost smooth jazz. <laughs> like, and uh, he goes and turns the power up. And then the thing that like caught me off guard was like, yeah, we knew something bad was going to happen, but it somehow forcibly ejects the galaxy <laughs> being out of this fish tank TV set. 
Like I, you know, I expected the monster to appear, but not like fall out of it. Like it was like, it was yeah, so like head first <laughs> flying out of the fish tank. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was funny, but it was not right. So then, then this becomes yeah, another extended we could probably whole thing. kind of blaze through the rest of this episode. Yeah. Cause there's like another 25 minutes of just the monster bumbling around shooting waves at people. <laughs> What I wrote in my notes here was like, hey, Kevin, did you know the alien got out and is free and is slowly walking around? <laughs> like, that's because yeah. like, that's all this is. And then um, you got, uh, oh, I, see, I always get the DJs. You get, uh, uh, was it uh, the other one? The other one that we met first. Gene. Gene. Yeah. He's, yeah, Gene, he, Gene has taken uh, Laureen yeah. out to his convertible and he's kind of sweet talking her and everything and uh, turns on the radio station and. Well, first, as, yeah, as the power's going up, the, the music gets louder, like the volume goes up, which I didn't know that was a thing that happened. Um, but then it suddenly like starts like, you know, fuzzing out and getting distorted and he knows something's wrong. Yeah. So he goes in and tells Alan, and he says something's going on at the station. And meanwhile, uh, the, the monster is attacking Eddie, <laughs> but they only show it through like windows at this point. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of questionable looking, but yeah, it comes through and uh, he screams and that's really the last you get to see of Eddie until you see his corpse later on the episode, which I will say the brief shot of him with blood on his face. I was not expecting that because yeah, that, they kind of put like black circles around his eyes and put blood on his face. Like, it was, cause it was pretty tame outside of that. In this episode. But that was, that was surprisingly not graphics, not, but sudden, like I wasn't expecting that. Because when we yeah. got the other guy that's um, working like the supply shed nearby, it looks like he's just like horribly sunburnt when we go to see him. Yeah, but, Collins. Yeah. Uh, so then um, what happens is, is that Alan ends up like making the world's most important payphone call to the station. No one picks up. And then I like that as he hangs up the phone the second time, uh, was Eddie checks for change and takes the change out of the payphone. I thought that was funny, like on the way out. But then he tells he tells his wife, like Carol is like Gene. I, yeah. Gene, sorry, I just uh, you know DJ one, DJ two, um, and so he tell so Alan tells Carol like you know I need to go, and she's like, well if you you know if you leave, like he goes if you leave me I'll leave you. Like she's basically had it had been done with this, but but Alan knows something's not right. So but then while this is all going on, you have the monster, sorry, the galaxy being just walking around throwing radiation at cars, causing them to flip over, uh, messing up old men, blowing doors off the hinges, breaking (laughs) windows with his radioactive electromagnetic waves. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so weird. And I mean, like that's, this is what I felt like, like, this is what felt like this, this aged the episode immediately. And then also felt like this is very much B movie. Like you're like talking like, like atomic age horror and sci-fi. This, this, reminded me so much of that where people would run out into the streets and scream and run away as opposed to direct confrontation. That's what this felt like for most of it. Yeah. And it, it didn't really feel threatening. No, like it was so slow and the effects of the waves and everything. It, it I wasn't quite sure that it was even hurting people <laughs> until you start seeing like the burns on people later in the episode. Like you see, uh, um, Gene's hand later yeah. on. Which I wrote in my notes like tried to stop. Like it looks like he has like radiation burns on his hands. I was like, Gene doesn't even know he's dead yet. Like that's what I wrote in my notes. Because the monster shows up to uh, the 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 party, and you know everybody's running a terror. I'm like, they don't even know they're dead. Like no one, everyone, everyone's been near this thing is now dead. (laughs) Like it's yeah. um, 
but uh yeah it so but before that even that happens that's when we get the alien going to the pawn shop and it was so like okay great he's picking up like i said the little horse and all this stuff but it was like i was i was hoping he'd pick up a shirt of like you know um you know my best friend went to earth and all i got was this lousy t-shirt or whatever yeah um well maybe the horse was a uh little figure of hyperion that would be amazing if that was the case (laughs) We can pretend. Yeah. So uh, then, but yeah, like yeah. It, it blew like every door off of every building it went into. I I text Paul after I finished watching. I was like, that's how I'm entering every room now. You also need to have like just a, um, an unnatural hatred of trash cans and make them fall over every time you're near one. Did you notice that? Like they kept blowing over every time they'd show up. It's like all the papers would just fly everywhere. Yeah. Um, yep. So that eventually the being shows up to the, the shindig where Alan is and everybody runs away. And, uh, and his wife is like, you know, she's confused rightfully so because he, he's alarmed, but he knows what's going on. But there's a bit, what was it? Uh, like she faints. Right. And so um, he goes to carrier and he tells like the, the galaxy being like, Hey, let's get you back to the station and get you home. You know? Yeah. Like, you're, you're hurting us. You're, yeah. you're going to burn us. Like you have to stop. So I don't know why he didn't leave Carol with the police officers that showed up <laughs> and he decided to carry her all the way back to the station. Yeah. And he puts like, her in. Why, yeah. why wouldn't you just leave her with the police in the safety and take the monster away from the rest of the town. I don't know. Or the galaxy being, excuse me, but I don't know, whatever. Cause then you finally get her realizing that everything was true that he was talking about. So I guess having her back there. Well, but there's um, a bit where he's like trying to, he's trying to explain this to her, but he explains it to her by just shaking her and yelling at her. And he's like, do you understand? I'm like, that's the best way to make someone understand what you're talking about is by shaking them violently and yelling in their face. You know, um, but then as he's talking to the galaxy being about whatever, I, I forget the specifics, but like you need to go home. And he was like, I can't because basically I broke the, broke the law uh, of my people, you know, and yeah, then, they're just going to they're going to destroy him, and disperse his waves. Yeah. Uh, so then the military and the police pull up outside. So Alan tells Carol's like, go outside, check it out. <laughs> 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 so another, uh, I mean, Night of Living Dead moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got Carol running out the front door, uh, waving her arms. And immediately getting shot. <laughs> yeah, the military, they shoot her, not just anywhere, but through the neck. Yeah. Like, oh my God. So I like but that. But yeah, talk yeah. about like Night of Living Dead. Like that's that's the ending from Night of Living Dead. Yeah. So she gets shot like, and then, crazy. Uh, you know, Alan, like he you know, gets her in the, and the, the galaxy being was like, oh, I can help her. Basically, they figure out he can cauterize the wound and save her. He's like, I'll use radiation. It's like, yeah, that might save her for now, but she's dead in two days later, but whatever. Uh, so he saves her and realizes this guy, this being isn't like, you know, meaning harm. And so then uh, <laughs> I like that uh, Alan comes out and everybody has their guns drawn and like his his uh his brother is like no 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 don't shoot him he's my brother and i'd be like yeah your sister-in-law was fine to shoot but not your brother (laughs) (laughs) well now he was ready to worry he didn't think they were going to shoot that quick the first time so now he had a reason to be worried yeah um but yeah so um the alien comes out and he's trying to tell them like don't shoot it it's not going to hurt you um it comes out all of them just fire as many bullets as they can into it. And he basically tells them you must not use force. Like I warned you, I warned you blows up the radio tower and everything and tells them like, there's, there's much you must learn. Uh, go and give thought to the mysteries of the universe. 
Yeah. Remember what I said, like, stop, <laughs> stop trying to destroy things that you don't understand. So everyone just goes home after he says that. <laughs> yeah, they're like, like oh. everyone's totally satisfied with him, with the galaxy being telling them to go home and give thoughts to the mysteries of the universe. <laughs> like everyone's perfectly happy with that. Yeah. And just the crowd disperses. We're good. So We're weird. Good. So anticlimactic after everything that just happened. Everyone's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right, and that's I, fine. I, the radio I, tower just exploded in front of us. Like we might as well just go home. Yeah, I wrote, oh, so we're just going to walk away now? Okay, cool. Like, it just felt like, all right, I guess we're done now. Uh, and then the, the galaxy being goes back inside and is, like, talking, uh, you know, basically says his goodbyes and then just, like, you know, I think he says into transmission or something. And then yeah, and he, he turns some knobs and it uh, yeah. it screws up the transmission and he, he destroys himself. And, yeah, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's your episode. Um, <laughs> it's a pilot. It, you know, it got, you know, worked around it to make it to air. I mean, we get it, but it's yeah. just not that, not that we should compare this to the twilight zone. Cause this is a different show, but considering that even time element and even the official first episode of the twilight zone, where is everybody were much stronger out of the gate, you know? And I just, you know, if this was supposed to be your first swing at something, man, I, you know, it's, it, it's fun in a fifties B movie kind of way. But if you're trying to do cutting edge sci-fi for television at the time, it just, it just felt, it was weird, you know, like I, and I love Cliff Robertson and I think he did as much as he could with this here, but like, it's a shame. Cause I feel like maybe this episode couldn't have been told 24 minutes, but it didn't need 55. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of falls in that in between where it's like, there's, there's a lot being said in this mm-hmm. during the first, 20 minutes. Um, but I, I don't know how much you can really cut out. And then, you know, they, they wanted to show the monster. They want people to see it. They had a cool design for it. So I understand why you do that, but it just, it did not age well. Uh, it had fun moments, but overall it's just frustrating. Yeah. Just kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you what, know. what are you going to do? Not everything can be uh fantastic. That's true. So, I mean, it was worth it was worth checking out, and maybe there'll be other outer limits that we'll check out later. I know we always kind of talk about about that with other shows that we've seen, but again, you know, maybe there's those ones that people talk about, like the Architects of Fear. Maybe that's the one to watch. I don't know. Um, yeah, and, and I, I've heard some of them are legitimately kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd I'd like to see that some people actually hold up as being like the great episodes. I would definitely be interested in checking those out. But I'm I'm glad we watched the first one because kind of get an idea of what they're going for in the series for better or worse. And, uh, um, yeah, like I said, Cliff Robertson popping up in it is always fun. So I'm, I'm glad we covered it. Um, probably something I'll never watch again. It, it would be like if someone had never seen the twilight zone and the first thing they watched was the whole truth. You'd be like, what is the series about? Like it would be, it'd be hard to judge something just by one. Right. So that's where I'm going to kind of land on this where, you know, like, but you're right about the whole, like you were like checking time on this, like, like the first few minutes, I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. And then I'm like, Oh, yeah, like is, up yeah. until, yeah, I, I guess up until the alien, like blasts out of the screen, <laughs> like it, it's pretty compelling. Some of the dialogue goes on yeah. a little bit too long and the, the frustrating, uh, communication scene goes on a bit too long. Yeah. It's dumb, but like for the most part, the design of the alien and it taking form in there is kind of scary enough that 
I, I mean, I'm not going to say I was terrified, but like <laughs> putting myself in the place of 1963, like it, it was good. It was jarring when it popped up, but um, yeah, like outside of that, it was, it was just kind of infuriating, but yeah. like, yeah, well, as soon as it breaks out of the screen like that, the rest of this episode just feels so dated and just drags for like another half hour. <laughs> So um, I, I feel like this episode should have been called. Are you ready for it? This is this is my wonderful joke of the week. Uh, Radio killed the video star. That's what I felt like this episode should have been called. Um, you know, it would have been weir- a weird name at the time, but people would have gotten it much later. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's all I got. I got nothing else other than I think everybody would have been dead by radiation exposure at that point. Um, just yeah. by him wandering around, um, just in all the, all the like latent radiation after he just kind of like, you know, does the, what, like the 1960s, like wavy stuff that comes out of the palm of the hand that you always see for like, you know, power, you know, but yeah, yeah. I just, I also wish like there were a few inspired shots, like you mentioned, uh, him running and the camera being below and some of the effects work and the way they shot his laboratory slash control room, whatever it was. Like some of that stuff was nice, but the rest of the episode was pretty flat looking. Mm-hmm. And I've I've always heard that there are some episodes that are shot like beautifully, like with that whole film noir style and everything. So I was I was a little bit let down how flat for the most part this episode looked. Yeah, it's which you could tell that you feel like there was more money spent on this than your average episode of the twilight zone. I mean, cause it's an hour long. So you feel, especially with like all the, the extra military and police stuff going on and everything. So it's like you, yeah. And the visual effects like that yeah, couldn't have been cheap at the time. No, so you knew that there was money coming into this and, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, again, maybe, maybe there's better later. This one, uh, I'm glad that we did it. At least we had a good jumping on point with it being the first episode in cliff Robertson. Cause we like him. And yeah, that's it. I, um, I was going to, I put in here twist rating and then I was like, are we even doing this? I don't think we should do a twist rating. Cause I don't think there was much of a twist no, other I than, I, you know, I don't think so. Yeah. So here I'll throw this in for a twist rating. Oh, shut up, Paul. That's what I'll throw in there. That's how I, that's, <laughs> there you go. Pressing all the yeah, other buttons well, tonight. At least it wasn't a comedy, right? <laughs> I mean, I laughed at times, but yeah, it wasn't a straight up yeah. comedy. Every time we blew a door off, I laughed. <laughs> that was basically it for me. All right. So yeah, I think that's going to do it for our discussion about uh, the first episode of The Hour Limits, The Galaxy Being. So um, before we get on to uh, what we're doing next, which we haven't even decided, so I don't know why I teased it. Uh, Kevin, how can people find us? Yep, you find us on Instagram and Facebook. You can email us or leave us voicemails at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com and let us know if you enjoyed the coverage of The Outer Limits. Maybe we'll drop a few more episodes or if you have suggestions for episodes that you want us to cover, head over to the Patreon, give us uh, five bucks and we will cover any episode of it that you want. I like that. Bribe us and we'll talk more Outer Limits. So yeah. uh, Yeah, we'll cover the one comedy episode (laughs) if you really want to do that to us. Like, it's fine. Uh, Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the oh. Patreon, um, sorry, you were going to say other stuff too. Sorry, go ahead, please. Well, it, it's fine. But yeah, if, if you want to hear more outer, outer limits or if you enjoyed this one, just let us know at our Gmail account. Um, and then you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Satchel, uh, Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts. We are there 
And it would really help us out if you would rate and review us. Yeah. So, and the Patreons, patreon.com slash strange highways, where you could uh, uh, pay as little as $1 a month and have access to what we're doing over there, which uh, we've talked about uh, ad nauseum with the uh, most recent episodes of, of this show that we're covering the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone. And we we're covering uh, season one, episode nine, The Blue Scorpion, which we talked about a little bit earlier tonight. And then next week, we're doing the season finale of Blurry Man. So, for $1, you can listen to those 10 additional episodes and whatever else we decide to bring you there. Um, and then at $5, like Kevin just mentioned, you could uh, pick an episode of an anthology series, including this one if you wanted, with The Outer Limits. We would watch it and talk about it on the show. And at $10 a month, um, you would get access to all that stuff we just talked about, and you get to pick an anthology film of your choosing uh, and come on the show and talk about it with us. And we would send you uh, not an irradiated horse statue, but a picture of Hyperion, the most important racehorse that ever lived, uh, just because you, you know, we believe he is inspiration to all, and you need to get a framed photo of a horse. So just do it. Join the Patreon. It's We've been doing, I want to say, fun stuff over there, but we're just still talking about Twilight Zone, so that is fun stuff. You should you should yeah. go and check it out. Yeah, but we're heading to the last two episodes of that, so we're going to be doing other fun stuff so we're going to put the vote out to our listeners what we're going to do at some point here so we can figure out something to do in between seasons for the patreon um so yeah definitely join up and i i want to thank all of the people who have already um really helps out with hosting fees and everything and uh helps keeping the show going yeah absolutely so i know we kind of joked about it but do we want to try to find the shatner esperanto film do we want to try to find this incubus and watch it for next week because uh yeah, that would be weird. Or did we want to do a TV show? What yeah, that would be interesting. Um, let's see how hard it is to find this. Uh, I want one that's translated from Esperanto in English. Can we? Find <laughs> I want some English <laughs> subtitles to this. No. Currently unavailable there. I'm sure I'd be able to find it. But we want to um, make sure people would have access to it too, right? We just don't want to. I mean, because like Encounter the Unknown, anybody could watch that now, you know. So I want to make sure that uh, we pick something that people would have access to. Yeah, maybe uh, we'll call an audible and uh, announce it on the Facebook. Because I'm I'm not quite sure yet. Okay, <laughs> so I also have another suggestion. This is a little out of left field, so I'll just mention this right now. It's a film you've seen, but I've not seen. Uh, the Manitou. Did you want maybe Ooh. get into that? Get some William Girdley. That- yeah, I'd be into doing the Manitou. That's a fun movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. Maybe it'll give me a chance to order the Blu-ray for next week, too, then. Yeah. So uh, this is something that is available on YouTube for $3 and Amazon Prime for three. Sorry, Prime Video for 3 bucks. So if people want to check this out. Um, I've not seen this. Uh, do you want to give a little tease to what this film is to get people interested? Yeah, it's a uh, girl who has a uh, Native American shaman growing on her back. There you go. Like it's it's your typical story. Yeah. So, I yeah, know. who eventually uh, kind of possesses her and gets enough life that it separates and causes a bunch of chaos. And it's a weird, goddamn movie. All right. So uh, it's, it's been it's been a good ten years since I've seen it. I remember just being. I don't want to say blown away, but astonished by it. <laughs> it's, it is it is very strange, and by my standards, saying it's very strange, uh, oh, I'm, you know that you know that's true. All right, so yeah, let's just do that. It's been a while since we've gotten weird, you know. So let's just, yeah, and let's, you gotta love Girdler, so yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I'd be definitely down for that because I just want to hear Paul's reaction to <laughs> pretty much the entirety of that runtime of the movie. Well, I mean, I've seen two Girdler films so far. I've seen uh, 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 Abby and Grizzly, and I know this is not going to be anything like those, but I've been wanting to <laughs> no. check out more of his work as limited because he, he wasn't around for very <laughs> long, but... Can yeah. we do a uh, remake of the Manitou and Grizzly together where one of us grows a grizzly <laughs> bear on our back? <laughs> only only if that grizzly is really excited for marshmallows. That's really all I want. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> Just throw marshmallows at my back. Like, yeah. What's, what's happening? <laughs> okay. Oh, don't worry yeah. about it. There's just a, there's a, 200 year old bear growing on my back. <laughs> I mean, you know, as you do. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. This uh, next week we're going to cover the Manitou. God help us all. I cannot wait to get into this. Um, I mean, I, like I was just talking about on the other show that I do, it's sometimes better to pick things that you want to watch and to slot them in for podcasts. Cause then you're like, you know what? I'm doing two things. <laughs> like, so yeah. Yeah. You know, I got an Amazon gift card. I've been, uh, holding on to it for the past two weeks, trying to decide what I was going to order. Uh, I guess I'm just going to put it towards the Manitou Blue right now. So there you go. Perfect. All right. So yeah, that's going to that's what we're going to do next week. So anyway, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed our um, thorough discussion about the Outer Limits, uh, the galaxy being, and I hope you guys join us on the Patreon as we talk about uh, the Blue Scorpion. So have a good week. Um, watch the Manitou and then be mad at us. Maybe I don't know. I guess we'll talk about it next week when we get there. Yeah. Until next week, uh, don't increase our power. It might be dangerous. your thoughts into word patterns using binary systems. My computer can translate your pulses into my language. <laughs>